That doctor delivered the news and essentially told us like, you're going to lose this child. I don't know when, but more than likely it's going to be before the third trimester. Like, so just expect a miscarriage. And we kind of looked at each other and we're like, all right, we're doing this. Like Mm -hmm. we have prayed for a child. God has given us a child and no matter how she or he comes to us, all right, let's do it. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you've never been to church, walked away from the church, or are struggling to find a church to connect with, you belong here. Every Thursday, we are sharing a new episode in our Your Story Matters podcast series. This is an opportunity for people from Collective to be real about their brokenness and what God has done and is doing in their lives. These stories will be real and raw and vulnerable, and we hope they encourage and inspire you in your own faith to share your story. To watch the sermons from the Your Story Matters series or to find out more, you can head to www.mycollective.church YSM. We hope you enjoy these stories. Welcome back to the Your Story Matters podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm with my friends, Jess and Cole, and this is part three of their story. So if you're just now picking up this podcast series, I strongly encourage you to pause. Don't continue to listen to this one. Jump back to episode one and two to hear how we got to this point. Because while you can listen to this episode and hear how God is with us in some of the hardest moments of our lives, the first two episodes really help you understand how your faith can bring you peace and joy while there is pain. So here's part three of Jess and Cole's story. I'd love for you guys to share a little bit about kind of what came next. And it's vulnerable to sit here, but you guys are kind of still in some vulnerability um, with your daughter, Maggie. And so if you don't mind, just share what you're ready to share about that experience, because it's hard. When we were dating, I remember, you know, we had a a conversation, I remember very uh, vividly that we, you know, where we were walking and you asked me, you know, about having more kids and I said, yeah, I would love to have more kids. And it was, it was just a great moment that we had together and then to be aligned on something like that. So obviously after, you know, getting married, that was definitely something, you know, that we were, that we were ready to pursue. And obviously with our kids being older already, um, we felt like it was something, you know, sooner the better. We got married and we were like, yep, this is just going to be a part of, um, our story together. And, um, but it took quite a while mm-hmm. to get pregnant and we finally found out in September of 2022 so it was about a year and a half after we got yeah. married and so there was a, a little bit of heartbreak I think in that first year and a half of marriage where you're like are we like hearing God right yeah. is this is this a part of our story and I really struggled with hope I struggled with believing that it was going to be a part of our story um, and he Cole was so faithful in yeah. that hope and trust and belief um, and so I'm incredibly grateful for his faith during that time. But yeah, we found out I was pregnant in 20, uh, September 2022. And uh, it was, yeah, it was exciting. Mm-hmm. We were excited, but we also were like, okay, all right, we are adding to the chaos. Yeah. Like it, our life is already chaotic. You might as well like, you know, throw a baby into it. <laughs> so yeah. well, When uh, we don't know, have a room good, or anything good. for that baby to live yeah. in. They so were, yeah. It quickly went to like, like quickly went to like logistical yeah. things. We're like, okay, wait, we are going to have a baby. We do have the splendid family. 
what are the things we need to like really dig deep into right now and make sure that we're doing this the right way and we prepare the right way. And so we started having those conversations. You know, so during that time too, that fall, fall of 2022, we shared with family and yeah. friends and we went for the 19 week scan mm-hmm. uh, right before Christmas. Right before Christmas of last year, yeah. this past Christmas. We were, it was this excitement building because the yeah. kids wanted to know, is it a boy or a girl? Yeah. And that's what Christmas Eve we were going to, I think it was Christmas Eve we had decided we were, we're going to share, share with, with them. them. So we were going to the appointment to find out. Yeah, and they had all taken the news really well. It was yeah. it was like a little weird at first. You know, the, all the kids kind of like reacted differently, but there was this like thing that we were, as a family, was going yeah. to be ours, and yeah. that was really exciting. So yeah, we went to the 19-week scan right before Christmas in anticipation of being able to share that news with friends and family um, at Christmas with the kids being the first to know. And uh, so that scan was different than the ones I had with Evelyn and Dean in that it took a lot longer and the sonographer didn't say a whole lot because usually there's some like ooing and aahing and there wasn't a ton of that. She was having trouble figuring out like the gender of the baby and she grew quickly or quiet pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she didn't really. She just, yeah. it was very business like. She yeah. just went about it, which I didn't, yeah, I don't like, think oh, either of us really thought anything of yeah. it. We just thought, okay, that's just, and she didn't find out the gender. And I mean, I left feeling frustrated that, like, because we, we were going to obviously, it wasn't like we were going to keep it a secret from ourselves and wait and tell everybody at the same time or any of that. We were going to know that day. And so I was particularly excited to find out. Yeah. The biggest feeling that day was. Just disappointment that yeah. um, because they were like she she what she said was um, we'll just have you there's some some parts that I can't see so we'll just have you come back in in a week or two to do another scan. Looking back now we understand why she said yeah. that because there were many things that were um, wrong, but um, yeah we left that feeling sad because the scan that I scheduled wasn't until after Christmas and we're like, dang it, this ruins like the whole Christmas thing. And it was the next day we, um, Cole and I were taking a meal to Johnny and Tess because um, Reagan had just been yeah. born. And we were driving to their house out in Mount Erie and about 10 minutes away from getting to Johnny and Tess's, my midwife called. She said, you know, I got the results of the of the scan from yesterday. And she's like, "There's a, am going to send this to you, but there's a ton of stuff in here that's probably going to feel a little scary. Right. And I had just answered her on my phone, and I was like, okay, hang on, let me put, let me put you on speaker. But I knew, like, I just knew from the minute that you were talking to her, it was just like that, that just... Yeah, that feeling in the pit of your stomach where mm-hmm. I was like, the body language, mm-hmm. just everything I knew that this was not good. And having done this before, I knew it was yep. an abnormal call. Yep. Like, she, there was no real reason for her to right. call me um, other than to just, like, follow up. So she was like, do you want me to just send you the scan? You guys can, like, look over it and then call me with questions. And I was like, just tell me. What is it? Don't hold anything back. Yeah. I want to know every single thing. Please don't don't filter yourself. Just tell us. And then she just went, so one after another of 
just anatomically, you know, things that were missing, things that were not seen, things that were underdeveloped. A lot of it was in the brain and the mm-hmm. heart. And at that point in this journey, they were saying that these things like aligned with it, what they normally see in trisomy. Yeah. Um, 13, 18, and 21. 21 is the most commonly known that's Down syndrome. And so that was kind of like the silver lining in it. It's like, okay, we know Down syndrome. Like it's yep. like, we can handle that. Like they, like we can get through that, yep. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and she's like, I don't know for sure. Some of these things line up with Down syndrome. Some of them don't, they're like a little weird and we might have to watch the baby grow. Um, but that conversation was probably one of the most positive ones that we ended up having yeah. this entire, entire experience. Um, at this point, we're five minutes from Johnny and Tessa's house. We're bringing them a meal to see their newborn baby. Yeah. And I mean, I was, I broke down. I was sobbing and we pulled over, you know, on a road outside of their neighborhood. We just had to take a moment to collect ourselves because yeah. we were like, we don't fully understand what this is. And although Johnny and Tessa are totally the people we could go to and yeah. be like, Blah, here's all this stuff. We didn't want to like take something we didn't fully understand and hadn't processed and like dump it on them. So we ended up going over, bringing them the meal. We spent about an hour there and um, we just we didn't say anything just because we needed to get through. Yeah. Get through mm-hmm. that experience. And so it was after leaving. But like looking back, that was such a gift to to spend that hour with them because it did give us a moment to just breathe and pause and be with friends that love us and care about us. And and so that was good, even though they didn't know what we were carrying at that moment. Mm -hmm. um, That was I do look back and Mm -hmm. remember that very vividly. And it was a it was a, a breath of air before everything just got insane. Yeah. You said earlier it was probably the most positive conversation that you guys had over the next few months, you know, from there, there were, I mean, just doctor's appointments on doctor's appointments, information. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We, I think one of the hardest things we had to do. So from there, um, we did go back and get another scan and they confirmed, well, they, they referred us to maternal fetal medicine and we went and got a scan and that doctor Um, was a very sort of cold and distant person and delivered the news um, but in more detail and essentially told us like you're going to lose this child i don't know when but more than likely it's going to be before the third trimester like so just expect a miscarriage and this was uh right at the end of december right after christmas and this was we we kind of looked at each other and we're like all right we're doing this like mm-hmm. we have prayed for a child, God has given us that child, and no matter how she or he comes to us, like, all right, let's do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And so then, yeah, from there we went through um, a tremendous amount of appointments and conversations with specialists, and really just immersed ourselves in this world that we really had no awareness of yeah. whatsoever, and. It just, every time we had an appointment or a conversation, it just got worse and worse and worse. Like, because as um, she was growing, they were able to see more and things weren't changing. Yeah. The only thing that was consistent was that like she was somehow growing and she was yeah. how she was yeah. somehow meeting these milestones that we, that we didn't expect to ever reach. 
Mm. Yeah. Um, but it, it eventually became, you know, most of the other things that they talked about, particularly around her heart and stuff like that, ended up clearing, for the most part, clearing, right? Like, yeah. they weren't really issues, but yes, she had significant brain, um, you know, abnormalities that, you know, continued and persisted throughout yeah. the pregnancy. Yeah, and I remember we, we talked a lot during that time. We would sit down and talk, and like, what's the news? And you're like, sometimes it's hopeful, sometimes it's not. And sometimes there's answers and sometimes there, there's not. But there were a few things that, that came about during that season, which one was you got to feel her move. Every day. Every yeah. day, mm-hmm. yeah. And two, you guys named her. Right. And that was such a, an important part. And it wasn't like you guys were not going to ever get to that point, but understanding that you didn't know what, what was going to happen. Right. It's hard. Like it, this, I mean, it's, pregnancy isn't private. Right. Right. <laughs> um, but going back to what you've both shared in your stories is this longing for this like real like community. And you guys made the, I think the harder decision. I think this is the right decision, but the harder decision to like, bring that community in to these things and share her name with us. And we even got to share this really cool moment, which I'd like for you guys to talk about as well, but like kind of talk to us about why. Yeah. I think a a huge reason, and we did actually come up with her name before I was even ever pregnant, Mm -hmm. but a huge reason why we said, you know, we are going to name her. We're going to tell people about her. We're going to say what her name is, is because so much of the experience for us was stressful because there were so many unknowns like it, it the trisomy part um ended up not even being yeah. the diagnosis yeah. and we didn't know the diagnosis um, a lot of it was unexplained there were experts in their fields like scratching their head trying to figure out what was wrong with our baby and just she just wasn't fitting in a box yeah. and so part of that was well thankfully her identity is not de- is not determined by that you know she has an identity and she has a purpose given by god um, regardless of how she is coming into this world and regardless of the labels that the medical community is putting on her and saying that she's incompatible with life it's like okay sure she might be incompatible for a long life but she's alive and she has a name and she has a purpose and we were so firm in that Mm -hmm. um and so it was so important that we um shared her name yeah i think it was like an anchor i think because there was Mm -hmm. so much like you like you just described there was so much like you know it could be this it could be that we know it's not good and so it's like what do we really hold on to like holding on to hope is hard because we don't even really know what we're hoping for um and then even what you're hoping for is scary right like if you have a child with a child who's born and um you know has developmental issues like that's a challenging that's a that's a change in your life that is very very drastic so like you don't really know like you know what but you know giving her a name and sharing that name was like this is true and this cannot be like nothing can take that away right yeah Mm -hmm. so yeah and we chose the name margaret before we i think we were even married actually we like talked about kids or it's very early on in our marriage it was just a name that we both really loved, and um, it's a family name for both of us yeah, as well. Cool. And in that season of waiting to become pregnant, so that year and a half, 
um, I would say that hope was a significant, you know, part of our conversations, and so we chose to give her, give her the name or the middle name Hope. Yeah. Um, so Margaret Hope was, yeah, definitely a love-filled and intentional name. Yeah, and you guys shared that um, with your closest community, right? Like it was something that um, you guys made sure, like for people that were in your life, like hey, like we want you to call her by her name. Like if there are miscarriages or conversations about like viability in life and all that is like, this is a, a living being, a living person who has a personality, you know? And like you said, you, you, you know, she was, she moved a ton in the womb. You know, one of the things that you guys did was um, you asked your community to come together and we had this really beautiful and hard, you know, time together of, celebrating who she would be, you know, it was, um, you know, we called it a blessing and we got to pray together and have a meal together. Like it was you guys, you know, essentially it was a, a very intimate dedication, you know, and with you guys not knowing what was going to happen, you guys were still saying like, we're, this child is a gift from God. And, um, it really very much was a blessing. It wasn't just for you guys, but for everybody else who was in that room for a million different reasons, right? So birth was hard, right? Um, yes. You know, one of the hard things, you know, I think everybody that's close to you guys felt so good about your marriage. And then also it was like when you were struggling to get pregnant, it wasn't just Cole going, nope, this is it. Like everyone around you is like, yes, yes, 100%. You're going to have a baby meant to happen right you know we all we all felt the same way you know so due date comes and there's just this feeling of like what is happening you know and that's us right and I remember how I felt mm-hmm. but like for you guys talk us through the whirlwind few days that you you got to have yeah so the third trimester once I hit the third trimester I was like what on earth like they've been telling us for months like your baby's gonna die. And that was that was the only yeah. thing they would tell us. So your baby's gonna die. You're not gonna make it to, the, to your due date. You might make it to the third trimester. So once we hit the third trimester, um, I just feel like there was this constant like push and pull with hope mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. grief. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. all right, she's doing good. Like we're still seeing all these things that are wrong and that will make life extremely difficult. But you know, like she's she's forging ahead. She's somehow growing and still developing despite all of these issues. Um, You know, we we get to like 36 weeks and I'm like, okay, (laughs) this is, this is real. Like she is going to be born full term and we don't know what to expect. And so at that time we started having conversations um, with hospice and we started having end of life conversations because we knew that more than likely that's what we would experience. And so at that time, a lot of fear started settling in for me as well, because the reality of giving birth to Maggie was, I can't just think my way through this anymore. Like I actually have to give birth. And that was uh, a pretty scary thing to face. Mm -hmm. Um, Just because of some, some of her abnormalities we knew would make birth a lot more difficult and so we had a lot of conversations too about how we were going to approach the birth and if we were going to have intervention um in order to give birth and all of that level of intervention yeah 
yeah, intervention after and like um, her her condition was extremely bleak, and so we knew that she would struggle upon birth. So like, how do we how do we make that the most um, or the best experience we can given yeah. how hard this could be? Yeah, I think it was uh, that last month up into the due date was a very draining. Mm-hmm exhausting time yeah because we would have these conversations that were all worst case scenario conversations right they're um you know planning for the worst case there's an element of you that's like yeah that's necessary we need to do that but it felt like we had to have 10 of those conversations and maybe i might even be right it might have been that many but it Mm -hmm. was just we had so many different meetings with people to talk about how we're going to handle all this stuff and at a certain point it's like there was like this, okay, can we, can we just do this? Can we just do this? Because I want to see what's going to happen, right? Yeah. And and yeah. instead of just talking about yeah. it, and you're right, like the hope kind of depletes as you talk more and more about like, you know, how are we going to handle end of life? And mm-hmm. there's so many things about end of life that like you would never imagine yeah. um, that you learn that, you know, you just wish that weren't true. Um, yeah. So. yeah, and there's like the grief you're experiencing grief ahead of time, grieving what you thought life would be or having a baby would be, you know, you're grieving conversations that you thought you could have. Like there's all this like pre-grief grief. And our world's not very great at that. You know, people have shared on the podcast before one of the hardest things is like when you're going through this grief, like people sit in it for a second and then they're like, okay, well back to normal. Or they want to ask a million questions to try to like answer, get answers, you know, to make them feel better about it. And, you know, it doesn't really, doesn't really work that way. You know, and I, I know you guys experienced a lot of that because there's a lot of questions and you guys are like, yeah, great, great questions. We don't have answers for them because people didn't really have answers. So you didn't really know what to expect going right. into it. Yeah. You know, what you knew was that you were going to deliver. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, kind of talk us through. That. Sure. Yeah. We, yeah, we just, we said, um, you know, we felt really confident in the care that I was receiving and we felt um, so the team there's a pretty big team at um, Frederick Health Hospital who they were incredible. Yeah. We were so well taken care of there. They did so much work. So many people from so many different spaces within the hospital did so much work ahead of time, you know, with us to make sure that when I did come in to deliver, it would go the way we wanted it yeah. to and needed it to. So yeah, we're getting closer to the due date which we never thought we would actually yeah. see. Yeah. And three days before the due date, mm-hmm. I started like early labor, um, like symptoms essentially, and labor just didn't pick up. Yeah. We realized like the clock was ticking because of some of those experiences. And it was like, I don't know, a 36 hour period where nothing really happened. Yeah. And we are like, this is the worst case scenario because we're trying so hard not to have unnecessary intervention and this is tracking towards that yeah. and we really don't want that. Mm-hmm. And so those few days, I think um, I was really, really honed in physically, just um, trying to get as much rest as I could, trying to mentally prepare, but I um, also was trying to keep the fear and the anxiety yeah. at bay because I know how that can affect labor and I do believe some of the fear and anxiety did affect yeah. that experience yeah. mm-hmm. um, because I just, I knew what we were going into and I was um, just heartbroken over it and 
didn't want it to be real. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so labor did end up picking up um, about two days into that mm-hmm. um, whole experience. And yeah, she was born at 2.42 a.m. on her due date. Yeah, which is incredible. Mm-hmm. I know. She made it to her due date. She was yeah. like, uh-uh, I'm not, yeah. I'm not. <laughs> yeah. 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 When we got to the hospital the night that she was born, they did quite comically, honestly. I was like in transition by the time. And transition's like an extremely intense part of labor, and I'm in transition. Um, you know, and this baby's about to be birthed, and they're like, we want to do a sonogram to see how she's doing. And I was like, well... I don't know what to tell you, but they ended up doing a sonogram just real quick and her heartbeat was spot on. It was exactly Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, where it needed to be. Then the heart, her heartbeat, her heart stopped at some point in the last like two hours of labor, but we didn't know that until she was born. Yeah. Yep. I remember that ultrasound was like, it ended up being... I think actually a, a difficult thing afterwards because it was like, it was, it was like this wait right before you went into this mm-hmm. like yeah. p- transition period and pushing her, it was all there. So like it ended at some point, like it, it gave you that like window of like, oh, it ended sometime in between this. And like, that was really, that was really hard. Cause it was like, it, there's just this innate part of you that's like, I gotta, I gotta, I think in, from a father's perspective in particular, I think there's a, I got I should, I could have done something, you know? Yeah. So there's like this helpless feeling, like mm-hmm. you wish you could have stopped it. Mm-hmm. But you know, like, yeah, you just know what it was. Um, and there was nothing you could do. Yeah. And it was part of our decision-making too. Like we knew we could go high intervention, but we didn't want her to spend an hour of right. her life or, or yeah. two, you know, um, suffering and so we just trusted that what we were doing you know the decision we were making it was excruciating and Mm -hmm. it took months to get to that decision but I remember when she was born and I held her there was an incredible amount of peace all around me and within me it was so calm it was like that's what was meant to happen like it just um did not feel I didn't feel panicked I didn't feel distraught um there wasn't even like sadness there was just peace and it was such a gift because the entire pretty much the entire pregnancy was so stressful and exhausting it just was this moment to see her and to love her and to fall in love with her Mm -hmm. and we just didn't get enough time you know yeah yeah Ultimately, like, just, um, it, it happened so quickly when she was born. We just didn't get enough time. Yeah. And I think that's, it was interesting that you say that because I think throughout the pregnancy, it was kind of a little bit the other way around. Like you talked about as we went through the period of like, will we get pregnant? I was more of like the hopeful one and the, the peace part of it was harder for you during that period. And even during the pregnancy, I think. Yeah. Um, but then in that moment, it was like you had this tremendous peace, and then I just fell apart. So, um, and it was that same thing. Like you, you're building up to it, and you, you're aware that like death is a possibility, and maybe even a likely outcome. But there's still like 
when you see when I saw her for the first time and then realized like I would never actually get like she was alive she was you know a person she was created by God but I would never get to know her that just broke just broke my heart yeah and we spent probably a good hour and a half or so um, before so his parents and my mom and my sister um, were asleep somewhere in the hospital. Part of yeah. the way that the hospital took care of us was they promised that they would have space yeah. Um, yeah. for our loved ones. So they came in and his parents, my mom, my sister, and um, Cole's sister, Lila, um, all got to hold her yeah. and see her. And then later that morning, the kids came to the hospital and had that experience as well, which was not easy. Yeah. No. It was like the blended family stuff. We talked about a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. In addition to being a challenging circumstance with what had occurred, I think it was even more that made that that was another thing that another challenging component of that. Yeah. And it was time. just hard to like, it was just hard to say, here's this thing that is equally and uniquely yours and mine and ours yeah. collectively as a family. Yeah. But can't have yeah. it yeah. <laughs> beyond this experience and the memories that we take and the things that we intentionally do in the future, which are things that we're still yeah. like working through. But yeah. that was really, really hard for me, especially with because of how hard life is sometimes for us. I just wanted it. It, it was so hard to see this like good and beautiful thing yeah. and not be able to take her home. Yeah and allow that to be a part of our like our daily reality yeah so yeah and you guys had you had pictures taken and she's beautiful when you say like you know she was made by god right and you know she's uniquely a part of you and you're like when you see the pictures you're like oh yeah i mean it is the beauty of like what god can do and like the, the understanding that like this is a gift this is a gift from god but when we went to originally record your guys's episode like this was all just brand new giving you guys space to to grieve and you guys have allowed um me into some of that and i've been able to see some of of that grief and been able to grieve with you guys and see pictures and but it's still very fresh mm -hmm. right and i think yeah. a lot of people might not understand why record this story at all specifically this part of it. And, and we, we wrestled with that. Like, do we share? Do we not share? Do, like, do, you know, it was actually, we were going to record before she was born. So it was like, do we even talk about it? Do we not talk about it? And you guys, when we reached out again to say, hey, like, take this chance or don't get another chance. This was more of a, hey, are you guys ready to talk about it? You guys said yes. There's still grief. There's still processing, you know. Um, your life is impacted every day by this. Your kids' lives are impacted every day by this. Other people's lives are impacted, but... You know, the way grief works is sometimes it's like out of sight, out of mind with, with feeling that same grief. So for you guys, though, like why be willing to share this now? Because there is no bow on this. There is still grief. There's still questions. To be honest, there's still frustration, right? And some of the information you were given, some of the stress, doctors did everything they could to care for you guys, but they didn't really give you an opportunity to enjoy the nine months, you know, you feel that peace. It's the first time where people aren't trying to tell you who she is and what she's going to do. Yeah. You know, but why sit in this space and share now 
knowing that it's still fresh and there's still so much ahead in, in this part of the story and, and specifically in the impact and the, the place that Maggie plays in this story. Why share? Um, I tend to be somebody who processes through things more verbally, I guess, um, and more sort of in community, I guess. Obviously, we process it together differently than, you know, I would in other ways. But, yeah, I think we just just want to share. Sharing is part of the processing and part of the grieving is sharing this story and sharing this experience. You know, we've been impacted. I talked earlier about relationships and sort of stuff I've learned throughout my life about the value of relationships. And it, it really is like, you know, you don't know what people have been through. You don't know what people have experienced. Yeah. Um, and you don't know that, you don't know when someone has a similar experience to you. And there's something, there's a connection. I mean, I think, you know, other forms of grief we've both experienced that are at the core of some of the ways in which we connected with each other, right? Because it's an understanding that, is unique to the experience that we've each been through that other people maybe have not experienced that. So I think it's also an opportunity to, to share and we know others have experienced it Mm -hmm. and you want to have other people that have been in that same place and walk that same road. Like nobody wants to walk it, but man, you're, you're grateful that there's other people to walk it with you. Yeah. Yeah. We just need to talk about it. Yeah. This is yeah. uh, mm-hmm. grief is real. These hard things that we go through are real. We carry them with us, um, but we don't live in a culture that really allows us to um, demonstrate that in a in a really real way. Yeah. And one thing I've learned about grief, um, just the past few months, it's been about three and a half months since Maggie um, died, but. Uh, one thing I've learned is that um, there's not, there isn't a bow, and there never will be one. There, grief is not like this thing to get through and to accomplish, and then to like move on with your life. You know, we really want things to fit in those boxes, yeah. um, but it's normal to grieve, and um, I think there's even sort of this expectation sometimes that. Um, so, you know, we love the stories where, like, people go through really hard things and then at the end of it, yeah. we're like, they came out so much yeah. stronger. Yeah, and like, the movies, right? Yes, it's yeah. the movies, it's the books. And, um, yeah. and even that's, like, sort of how we want to frame things for other yeah. people. And I am here to say that just isn't reality. Yeah. We didn't need this to happen to us, you know, to be Correct. better people and to be more joyful people and more grateful people. Um, Sure, like there are things that will come out of this that are are so good, but um, sadness and grief and despair and those feelings are ones that are okay to um, sit in. Yeah. Um, you don't need to push them away. You don't need to to pretend like they don't exist. And if you show up in your life in that space, um, um, it's just so incredibly important to have people who can hold that space yeah. for you because sure you do that alone um, you're going to get into some trouble like you're going to yeah. struggle through that grief but grieving in a safe place um, is beautiful and uh, it can happen yeah. for months and years and for the rest of our lives um, mm-hmm. grief will be a part yeah. of what we do so yeah and, and this is one of those things when we lose people or we lose things that we love, 
um, there's this discomfort that us as like viewers have on grief. And um, one of the reasons why I'm thankful that you guys are sharing your story is because I think people, especially when, when there's child loss, they're like afraid to say the name because like, oh, what, how much pain is this name going to bring when I say this name out loud? And if you've listened to the podcast and you've listened to the families who have experienced this loss, they'll tell you like, please, please say my kids' names. While there is grieving, there's so much more joy and hope knowing that the child was with us and had an impact on this world. And one of the worst things that we can do, and I'll speak from like my perspective on the outside looking in, one of the worst things I can do is minimize the time that you guys had with Maggie. It wasn't as full as what you wanted or anybody would have ever wished for you guys, but what God gave you in the time frame was perfect, you know, and she was perfect. And, you know, there's this beauty in using the kids' names and, you know, being able to say, like, and understanding that at every milestone that, that comes up. And, and we talked about this in a grief sermon with children. We age children in our grief. We don't do that with older people. And, like, you know, as you guys have gone through Mother's Day and Father's Day and as Christmas is coming up, there's grief that comes with it. And the, one of the worst things that we can do as people around it is not lean into the grief and acknowledge, like, hey, this is really hard for you because this is when you were going to tell the kids about Maggie, you know, and one of the best things that we can do is, as people in community is, is to use the names and to talk about them, you know, even if the experience was limited and um, we suck at it, like we just suck as a culture, specifically when it comes to, to children and just grief in general, we're just really bad at. And we have this tendency to just want to move on and to not spend time in it. Um, we learn time and time again from from life, but even more importantly, scripture. Like we're called, just sit in that place with the people that we're close to, and say, "Hey, I feel this. I don't feel this the exact same way, but I f- but I feel this with you guys." And Maggie's a beautiful reminder of that. Um, Maggie's this beautiful reminder at our church. Like, I mean, we were talking about really heavy things, you know, when you guys gave birth, and it's the reminder of like why we talk about these things and her impact has already been felt at Collective. Um, if you're listening, you don't even know. But like, you know, back when we did Next Step Sunday and, you know, we have this child dedication, which is this really great moment in a church, but it's also a really painful moment. Um, without Maggie, I don't, me personally, like I never would have wrestled with what is it like for our families who thought their children would be here, grieving the fact that their children aren't in the space. And Maggie's life helped me realize as the leader of this church, oh man, like we have to acknowledge both the dreams that's here and the dream that isn't with us anymore. Yeah. And, um, you know, we, we added that moment to Next Step Sunday. Um, and so, you wrecked me. I know. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I told Justin Cole ahead of time. I was like, I've never really thought about it. But, like, again, like, Maggie forced me as a person to be a better person because I had to think through what is it like for my friends to sit here and how do we honor this in a way that brings grief but also brings joy. And so, you know, we started partnering with an organization called Foreknown Ministries, which helps people who have suffered through loss. Now, the great thing about this organization is they have community for people who have suffered loss, and Collective is a church that has that community. And so really we're helping this organization to support other churches that don't talk about these things. Another beautiful thing, and, and, I, and I'm going to say this, then we're going to jump into some just like overall wisdom. For those of you who have experienced child loss before, like I'm going to say this with extreme black and white nature, which I think is important, is that children are not born with sin, right? We have a sin nature, um, which means we have a propensity to sin, right? All of us 
at some point fall short of God's standards, but children are not born with that. Um, the Bible talks about children as innocent. And even as they get older, it, that's the phrase that's used to describe kids that are like elementary age where um, Jesus calls them the innocents. And it's this idea that like, yeah, kids at that age probably know they shouldn't be doing some things, but they're innocent to the sin of the world. They're innocent to depravity. They're innocent to those things. And one thing that is unequivocally true, and you can fight me on this if you want, and I don't care, is that uh, when children pass, they end up in heaven. They're, it's not because, you know, they're sprinkled as babies, any of that stuff. And that's a whole derail that I'm not going to take right now. But the beauty of it is, as painful as it is here on earth, you guys know that one day you will spend eternity in heaven worshiping Jesus with Maggie. Gosh, yes. <laughs> right? That is a truth yeah. that you hold on. When, when we talk about hope in these moments, it's not hope for right now, it's hope for the future. And when you talk about the way you're trying to raise these kids to love Jesus, it's not just for life right now, because they need it, they need that foundation, but it's also because you're trying to help them understand that like this pain that you're feeling right now, this loss, this questions about Maggie, that that will last for the next 80 years of your life. But one day you will die and you will stand before God, and the hope is that you've put your faith in him to where the rest of your eternity, which is worth way more than what we have right now, is worshiping with this child, which if you think about it this way, which is like one of my favorite things to think about in this pain is that she's going to have a head start on you guys of what it looks like to worship Jesus forever. And she will be the one to show you what that looks like. How incredible is, is that? So like even in the pain, when people talk about hope, it's not necessarily for hope here. And there's a little bit of that hope where God can take your story and he can redeem it, and he can help you breathe life in other people, and there's some hope there. But the real hope is for heaven, mm-hmm. and it is so hard to talk about when it comes to kids or life in general. But you know, I will say it so you guys don't have to. Like <laughs> Heaven, in the way God describes it, is there's no more pain, there's no more sorrow. All of those things on earth that Maggie had— Um, which made her one of the most rare human beings to ever exist in the history of this world, like truly, like medically. Yeah, that is true. (laughs) All of those things are gone. So I just want to encourage any of you who have suffered through loss or, I mean, God forbid, like in the future, like that is something you experience. One of the reasons why people hold on to Jesus through these times is the understanding of like this earth is this earth, but heaven heaven is everything. And there's this really beautiful moment that will happen one day hopefully many years from now you know where you guys spend eternity in heaven with this child who god dearly loves and you get to to be with her it's what makes this world so complicated this isn't it there's hope because of that but also while we're here it kind of sucks sometimes yeah (laughs) um life happens beyond what you ask for and and jess going back to your story you know growing up in a church that that has that prosperity vibe bad things happen to you because you're a bad person is not the way this works Life works this way because life works this way. It's just hard. You guys didn't deserve this. You didn't do anything to, to have received this. It's just life. And when we started this podcast a year ago, it was the conversation of life is hard. God can take bad things and turn them good if you let him. And one of the things that I know you guys are doing is trying to figure out how, how does God make this good, like in, in the pain. And just sharing your story is a big part of that. And so I know that's hard, but I'm, I'm thankful and I'm thankful that people um, will get to hear about who she is and a little bit more. And, you know, by the time this podcast goes live in October, there'll be more that that you know about her and mm-hmm. her impact will be bigger than what it is now, which is exciting. Well, we love talking about her. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we want okay. to talk about her. We yeah. love talking about her. Um, it's wonderful. Every once in a while, we still get, you know, something pop up 
from, you know, a friend or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, um, yeah. you know, organizations that supported yeah. us that um, bring her name into yeah. our day and give us um, a little bit of joy. I know. So. I would say, too, I think sometimes people don't know, like, should we talk about it? Should we ask about yeah. her, all that kind of stuff? And I think we would say absolutely. Please do. Because um, yeah. it can be hard in situations where people don't know or have, a, you know, don't know as much. Uh, it can be harder for us to bring that to want to sort of bring that up. Um, so asking, you know, asking us about it is absolutely something we welcome. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the, one of the things about grief is you guys, your life has been changed forever. You know, we talked about it in the grief sermon as it's train tracks, right? You are on a new set of train tracks, um, same direction, different, different ride, a little bumpier at times, smoother at times, complicated at times. But everybody else around you, they don't also make that same jump to the train tracks. But one of the best things that we can do is acknowledge, like, hey, like, we see this. We see that this life is different now. We see that, you know, there's grief that's different now. We see that there's milestones that are different now. And to not ignore them because we want to be polite and not make the train tracks a little bit bumpier for you guys. Because what you're saying is, hey, we enjoy those bumps because they remind us of something that's really, really good in our life. And so we, you know, typically with grief, we have to get out of our own way when it comes to that. Um, so let's move into one of the last questions that we ask is about wisdom. You guys have been through a lot and you're in a lot and you, you guys could, (laughs) you could teach a class on life right now, which is why you guys are leaders at collective and why you guys lead the Enneagram group and do all the things that you do is because you guys have then chosen to take the life that God has given you and say, okay, we want to care and love other people. Um, you know, you don't want people similarly to go through things that you guys have been through and be alone and all and all that. But um, one of the questions I love asking is, hey, if, if there is some wisdom that you could offer, and this could be from any part of your life, right? People have been on the ride through this podcast and on the previous one about like what life has been. But if there's like one set of wisdom that you could give for people, and it could be like encompassing or, or, or even kind of life specific, what would that be? And Jess, we'll start with you. Sure. So uh, this is the thread, really, that has um, that has connected all the pieces of my life. And I know it doesn't. It it sounds simple. It doesn't sound super profound. But um, I promise you, (laughs) you can trust Jesus with your life. That that is my direct and firm statement. You can trust Him. I promise you. I have gone through so much change and. You know, a lot of it was out of my control, and I've gone through a lot of um, grief and heartache um, and devastation. But when it all doesn't make sense, and you are heartbroken, and you are alone, I promise that you can you can trust him. Um, and you do have to put in the work. You have to find the. You have to figure out the way um, partially yourself. But he is there. You can trust him. And I think when I live from that space of just trusting Jesus. I grasp at less and I yeah. hold on to yeah. less and um, and so I'm able to just let a lot of those difficult things um, you know I don't pretend like they don't exist but right. I'm able to handle them differently yeah that's really good uh, it feels like a mic drop moment but I have to ask Cole now so <laughs> I know that's what I'm thinking and she's, <laughs> Sorry, yeah. and she's like good I'm through luck. this I'm like well, yeah. all right, well, how do like, I follow this uh, well Jesus is also an up <laughs> okay cool so, so seconding mind? that uh, I would also I would say I guess maybe um, you know and I talked about this throughout my story is a lot of like well that happened to me 
And I wasn't really thinking too much about that. So I think just an encouragement to all of us really to, to dig deep into who we are, right? Learn, learn as much as you can about yourself. What are your motivations? Why do you do the things that you do? How do you relate to other people? Parents, I think same things, help your kids like learn and talk about things like the relationships they have with other people. Um, and I think that helps them sort of come to know themselves a little bit better. Um, and then I think we already kind of talked about the importance. I think parenthood is something we're just really knee deep in right now, as we've just talked about, or maybe even neck deep. I don't know. Um, well, we're fully submerged. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but there's not there's nothing you can do. Um, there's nothing more important you can do than prioritizing faith to your kids. Yeah. Um, and Sunday morning should be a priority. And, and if they don't want to go you know, too bad kind of thing. Um, you know, I've heard many people say that, yeah. you know, my mom made me come to church and I couldn't stand her for it, but that's the reason I'm standing here today. Yeah. So just keep that in mind. It's with kids, especially as they get older, it's the future. Right? We've got to think about where they're going to be in, in the future. So I think um, prioritizing faith and being here on Sunday morning and yeah. them being included in that and serving as well as they get older, prioritize those things. Yeah, it's good. It's, it's funny as we head toward the end of this podcast series and thinking back through all the people who've sat at, at this table or sat in this room specifically, not one person has ever said, my parents gave me a choice in high school about faith and I chose not to do it. And I'm thankful that they did it that way. A lot of people have said my parents stopped bringing me when I got to high school, specifically if they grew up Catholic, they like went through all their things and then they're like, all right, you're done. But the people whose parents said, nope, this is a priority while they resented it at times, while they didn't understand it at times, and they didn't go to a church that they loved like Collective at times, every single one of those people have said when life hit the fan, when, when crap went the way they didn't expect, they were thankful that they at least knew they could go somewhere and hold on to it. But not one adult has sat at this table and been like, I'm so thankful my parents let me choose when I was in high school and I chose not to do it. Yeah. Right? Because that's... You know, I, I've joked from stage, kids' brains aren't formed yet. We shouldn't be letting them make decisions on on those types of things, faith or maybe even marriages when they're really young. But that's a whole other... <laughs> <laughs> hey, <laughs> we know about that. That's the same way. That's the same way. Um, all right. So last question. One, one of the things that kind of gives us the foundation to get through all these things, and, and we talk about it in the podcast, and we'll say, like, we felt God's presence. We know Jesus is with us through the highs and lows. Um, and, and we experienced that in multiple ways. And you guys talked a lot about how you experienced that through community, right? And how when you didn't have the right community, you didn't really like know it was off. But then when you have the right community, you're like, oh, this is it. But another one of those things that keeps us grounded through all of this is scripture. You know, when we talk about God's presence, like a lot of times we say it's God's presence, but we experience his presence through the word of God. So if you guys had a verse or a few that you were like, these are my verses, these things that sit uh, and maybe they're ones that um, are new. You know, they could be the ones that, like, during kind of last year, as you guys have prayed for and about and with Maggie, maybe it's a verse from that, or maybe it's one that you've had since you were a child and it's carried with you. What would that verse be? And Jess, we'll start with you again. Sure. So it's um, it comes from Isaiah 58, um, and it's verses 9 through 12. If you get rid of unfair practices, quit blaming victims, quit gossiping about other people's sins. If you are generous with the hungry and start giving yourselves to the down and out, your lives will begin to glow in the darkness. Your shadowed lives will be bathed in sunlight. I will always show you where to go. I will give you a full life in the emptiest of places, firm muscles, strong bones. You'll be like a well-watered garden, a gurgling spring that never runs dry. You'll use the old rubble of past lives to build anew, rebuild the foundation from out of your past, 
You'll be known as those who can fix anything, restore old ruins, rebuild and renovate, make the community livable again. And I actually, I, so I wrote this down on a sticky note in 2017. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and I posted it where I could see it every day. Um, and that was about a year before my yeah. life really just kind of became rubble. And I feel like since that time, my life, it's been ashes and rebuilding and yep. ashes and rebuilding and ashes and rebuilding. And so this, I love the imagery <laughs> of this verse, but I also just love the, the promise um, that it holds, yeah. um, the promise of hope um, that we can be reduced to nothing and um, be rebuilt. And ultimately that happens in eternity. And so there's yeah. so much hope for life here and life in eternity. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. I would say that most people have never heard that before. So that's really good. Yeah, that's it's really good. that version, in case anyone's curious, is from the message. Yeah. I've read like multiple versions yeah. of the verse and the message uh, just did it really incredibly. Yeah, so, that's really good. Cole, what about you? Yep. So I got two. First one is is one that uh, I would say came from actually the church camp experience I talked about. Um, it was that same week, this particular verse we we talked a lot about, and that's Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Yeah. And we've talked about yeah. that recently. You know, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, for I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I think... I've just carried a lot of things throughout my life. Um, And some of that is my own doing, um, or at least partially my own doing, right? I put myself in situations where I think the load got heavier. And so that verse just really, um, and particularly when kind of things fell apart, uh, that verse was particularly comforting to me. Um, So it's kind of a both and thing. It's comforting even when the the load is heavy, right? Because we know we can find rest, but then when we're down and out, we can also find rest. Yeah. And then uh, the other one is Micah 6, 8. Um, he has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. And I just I just love really the second part of that, the last sentence of that verse, to act justly, love yeah. mercy, and walk humbly. I mean, if I think if we do those things, you know, I think that's it. It's, it's as simple as that. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I appreciate... Well, let me start by saying this. I'm thankful for everything that you guys have meant to Collective. So much of the vulnerability and the the kind of the safety, the community that people feel here when they say, man, it just feels different here. Um, so much of that is because of you guys. And it, it starts with showing up here, you know, in 2018, a mess and saying, hey, I'm a mess. Like, Will you take me as I am? But then also you guys have created that space pretty much since then for other people. And and this podcast is a big part of that. And so I'm thankful for your story. It sounds crazy because everyone will hear it and go, man, that, that well, you wouldn't wish this on anybody. It's true. Like I wouldn't wish this on anybody. And this isn't a, well, if it's going to happen to anybody, I'm glad it's happening. It's none of those things. But it's just saying that I think the view that you guys give of what faith and trust and who God is through the highs and lows is incredible. Um, I hate what you guys have been through, but I'm thankful that you guys uh, continue to be this like beacon of light that helps make this community feel the way that community should feel. And as Collective continues to grow, the reason why it still feels so intimate and so close and so vulnerable is because people like you continue to create that space. And um, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for um, everything that you guys have shared with us today. We're thankful for Maggie 
and what she'll mean and has meant to this church, what will mean in the future as well, as we continue to, to navigate. How do we love people and grieve with people in these devastating moments? And so thank you for you guys. Thank you guys for sharing. Thank you for everything that you mean for this church and knowing that at some point someone will reach out to you and you guys will sit in a living room with them and, and love them through their pain. Uh, like you guys have done for the past five years. So thank you guys. Well, thank you, Michael, because you've led us through a lot of this as well. So we love you and appreciate you as well. Thanks, Jess. Mm -hmm. Yep. Thank you for having us.